Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. Father, thank you so much for your undeserved grace in our lives. Lord, we are people who do not deserve the mercy that we've received from you. And Lord, there may be some here today in the same way, Lord, that I feel very unworthy, Lord, of your goodness. Yet, you continue to overwhelm us, Lord. And for that, we just want to say thank you. Thank you, Father, that your mercies are new every 24 hours. And we embrace your mercy, Lord. We embrace Christ Jesus, the merciful, the one who laid down his life in order that we wouldn't have to lay down ours. And this morning, this, this afternoon, Father, we ask that you would continue to teach us more about your grace. Teach us more, Lord, about how good you are in the light of how bad we are. And do this for Jesus' sake, we pray, and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. My name's Robert. For those of you that don't know, we are jumping back into the book of Acts. And today what we're going to do is we're going to do a, a quick review as we go back to looking at the history of the early church. Um, today we're going to review 12 chapters. <laughs> and... Um, Let me ask a question. How many of you remember um, what was taught last week? How many of you remember what we looked at from the scriptures last week? I see a couple, I see one or two hands. I see people kind of trying to figure out exactly where we was. Now, it may be a bit um, disillusioning seeing me stand here because you might be thinking, what did Robert teach last week? I wasn't actually here last week. <laughs> it was Tim, right? And Tim done Philippians 4, but... How many of you didn't remember that until I actually said it? That's the group of you that I fall into who are upstairs and you go running downstairs in determined fashion. And when you get downstairs, you can't remember what you come downstairs for. And you stand there in the middle of the room like a lemon, right? Thinking, what did I come, what did I come down there for again? Because you can't remember. I can't remember why you came down. Has that ever happened to anybody? <laughs> All right, amen. Good. I thought as much, so we're going to be doing a review. We're back in the book of Acts, again, looking at the history of the early church. And we started this book back at the beginning, check it, of last year. And then we paused at the end of last year, approximately, 
um, at chapter 13 in order to take a bit of a detour. I wonder if you can put some more bottom on my, on my mic because my voice is already high and squeaky as it is. So, so <clears throat> we did that in order to take a detour so that we could, for six months, talk about membership, talk about covenant community, which we've been doing over a protracted period of time. Now, after six months, we return. And because we spent such a considerable amount of time looking at other things, I've decided to do a short review in order to bring us back up to speed, particularly for those who may have just joined us. Amen? The book of Acts. Now, for a trip down memory lane, how many of you remember this? How many of you remember Jesus of Nazareth? The epic five-hour classic. I see Brian's got his hand way up high. Bruv, careful. You're showing your age, you know, bruv. Do you know when this came out? 1977. Oh, my gosh. Back in the last century, you know. 1977. And obviously, they made a modern-day version that everyone is familiar with called The Passion. Um, Robert Powell was in the Jesus of Nazareth, and in the new one is James Cabiazel, something like that. And that was made, I think, in 2004. Now, the book of Acts picks up where these films end. Where the Gospels conclude, that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, at Jesus' ascension, the book of Acts picks up beginning with the ascension in Acts chapter 1. Now, how many of you have heard of this film? I bet not many of you. It's called AD, stands for Anno Domini. And it's another epic. It's actually six hours long, this one. Yeah. It's a bit dated, but it's good nonetheless. And what this film does is, this film picks up where Jesus of Nazareth leaves off. And you can pick this up at christianbook.com for about $24 online, about £15. There's another one um, called the Book of Acts. And this one, I believe, you can pick it up on Amazon. Yep. And it's done by some people called the Visual Bible. I think they've got a few of the Gospels as well as the Book of Acts. Again, the, the acting is not the greatest in the world. How many of you remember Thief in the Night? Now, this is digging in the crates. Yes, Steve, yeah. Three feet in the night, and there was three of them. I can't remember the other two. But um, it's, the acting's better than that, if you remember that one, because that, that one was hard work. Um, and it's the type of film you don't really show your unsafe friends because it's so badly done. But believers don't care, right? They're just, they're just concerned about the content. I shouldn't say that. It's Shabazz in here. Shabazzard. Shabazz. Shabazzard. Tell me to wash my mouth out with soap for saying such a thing because he's serious about his filmmaking. Thank the Lord. Pray for him because he's wanting to do a trilogy of the life of David and they've already begun to write the book. I say begun. It's been years they've been writing the book. So pray for them because they want to do it on some levels. And I encouraged him by saying, you know what, bruv, maybe the Lord hasn't allowed you to do it just yet. That was 10 years ago because they never had 3D then. You know what I mean? They never had the kind of technology that they got now. So imagine if you had done it then, we'd be talking about that in the same category as them old films. So 
hopefully Shabazz is encouraged. Now, there's also um, another one. Now, this one, sorry, Acts, the, the, the visual Bible, you can get for about £15 as well. But there's another one. It's called St. Paul. And this one is done by Time Life. And it's, a, it's probably 2002, something like that, they made it. And, it's, and again, it's, 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 it's not bad at all. The quality is not bad. You can get that on Amazon. <laughs> and it's a British one. Some of these are American. So if you haven't got a multi-region DVD player, you're stuck. So just make sure you buy the English one if, if that's you, right? Incidentally, Time Life do another series of DVDs that I would recommend. That's the ones that done the St. Paul, right? You can get the Bible Collection Part 1 and Part 2. And <clears throat> the Bible Collection Part 1 is Jesus, Moses, Abraham. And, and that's a heavy one because it's got Richard Harris in it. And then it's got Samson and Delilah. King David, and then Joseph. Joseph is gone. Ben Kingsley is in that one. And that's the first part, part one. And then you've got another one called um, um, Bible Collection Part 2, and it's got Genesis, Solomon, Jacob, St. Paul, and all of these are separate DVDs. Jeremiah, which is my favorite out of all of them. Anyone seen the Jeremiah one? Heavy. And it's got Oliver Reed in it and Patrick Dempsey, so you know that it's gone, right? Esther is another one in the series, and, and, and there's the final one called Apocalypse, which kind of deals with the book of Revelation. And what can I say? It's like £40 a set, 13 discs in total. It's something that I would definitely, definitely recommend. And you can buy them individually for about £6. Sometimes you can get them really, really cheap. How many of you know that if I don't make it as a preacher, I can always get into sales and marketing, right? Amen. Right. Now, the ascension. At the end of the stop laughing you. At the end of the gospels, beginning of Acts, mark the end of the earthly ministry of Jesus. Which also at the same time pointed forward to the ongoing work of Jesus by the power of the Spirit through the church. Hence the book of Acts. Now, who wrote this book? I've already mentioned his name as one of the gospel writers. It's not Matthew, Mark, or John. It's Luke, or Dr. Luke, because he was a physician, right? He's the only Gentile, non-Jewish writer in the Bible, and he records not just one, but two volumes. And let me just say this, in Luke chapter, in, in, in the book of Luke, there are 24 chapters. In his second volume, there are 28 chapters, that's in the book of Acts, totaling 52 chapters. And that is out of a total of 260 chapters in the New Testament. That means that Luke contributes solely over one-fifth of the New Testament. Note... The ascension, that's when Jesus levitated and went up into the sky, right? And he went back to heaven. Not only did it conclude Luke's first book and introduce his second, but it terminated Christ's earthly ministry and initiated his heavenly ministry. The Gospel of Luke records what Jesus began to do and teach. Remember in Luke chapter 1, in his, that is Jesus' earthly body. 
The book of Acts now tells us what Jesus continued to do and teach, but in his spiritual body, the church. What we see is the two different stages of the same ministry spread over two volumes. With regard to this second volume, and I'd ask you just to turn to Acts chapter 1 with me. With regard to this second volume, the title in Greek is praxis, which means deeds or acts. And acts particularly, although not exclusively, of a select few. Now, if we have a look at how Acts falls into the complete canon of Scripture, it may help us further. What we have is creation. Remember? Or, or not remember because you were there, but remember as you've read it. Creation which marks the beginning of the Old Testament. Starting with Genesis and ending with Malachi, right? 39 books. <clears throat> that is the, the complete Old Testament. Then we have 400, what they call silent years, or the intertestamental period. It's the period between the Old and the New Testament. Then we have the Gospels. See, I've done this kind of thinking that maybe the youth might be in, you know what I mean? Because this stuff helps them. And hopefully it might even help you, especially if you're a new Christian, just to be able to see exactly how the, the scriptures are laid out, if you like. So then we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then we have our section, which is the book of Acts. Now, after Acts, then you have what? Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all of these are known as the epistles. And then we have, if you like, um, the book of Revelation to kind of end it all. The epistles written by Paul, written by Peter, written by James, John, Jude, and then also the mystery writer of the book of Hebrews. Now, all of these make up the New Testament. Now, if we take the book of Acts and subdivide it, right? And what we find is that we have portions that emphasize the ministry of certain human individuals. And I say human because we must remember that the book is essentially about the ongoing work of who? The Lord Jesus, by the power of his spirit, influencing individuals throughout the course of history, like Peter and John, who we see at the beginning in Acts chapter 1 through 8, the predominant characters. And then, a little later, we see Peter kind of individually uh, kind of highlighted from the end of chapter 10 to chapter 12. Then we see Peter and James kind of more specifically, even though there are other characters in Acts chapter 15, but then we see another character step in. And he's introduced in chapter 9, which is when he gets converted, thank the Lord, because of the drama that he was causing. Then we see him a little bit later 
in chapter 13 and 14, kind of at the beginning of his ministry. And then we see him later on contribute so much with regard to the spotlight being on him as a human individual throughout the rest of the book of Acts. I wonder if there is one more. That's it, chapter 16 through to 28. Now, just a few statements as to the relevance of this book. What we see here is the continuation of the story of salvation history. That's how commentators make reference to what goes on during the different um, time frames biblically. Salvation history, in which the very activity of God himself is revealed. The book is about message and mission. Message and mission. First of all, the message. Well, it's about Jesus, who had been raised from the dead by God after being, after being put to death by the Jews slash the Romans. He now was declared to be the Jewish Messiah and Lord, hence the source of salvation. And it was through him that forgiveness, that is forgiveness of sins, was now offered to men and it was from him that the gift of the spirit had come down to the church the resurrection and exaltation of jesus stands at the center of the preaching of the book of acts acts chapter 2 verse 38 says then peter do you remember the first message to be preached peter says to them that is the group of people that are listening who have heard them because they poured out speaking in different languages. The people cry and say, man, in view of the fact that you're saying that this Jesus that we crucified is Lord, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to change the way that you think. Now, I'm reiterating, if you like, says Peter, what, only what Jesus himself said. And Jesus reiterated what the prophet who went before him, who was greater than any other prophet, who made and prepared the way for the Lord, who was John the Baptist, same message. Change the way that you think or repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see the message? It's fundamental to the book of Acts. Chapter 17, verse 30 and 31, speaking about God, and this is Paul now, says, God who now commands all men. Does that exclude, exclude anyone? Black or white, rich or poor. He commands all men slash women, because the word is ma men, is, is man meaning mankind, everybody. Commands all men and women everywhere. Is that conclusive that is? All, everywhere, to change the way they think. It's just it's funny because just this week I was saying, Lord, you know what? This whole gun and knife crime thing is, I mean, it's past ridiculous. And I was listening to a guy on the radio, I can't remember his name, Sheldon Thomas, I think. This guy who is a consultant to the Metropolitan Police. It's a black guy. And he used to be involved in gangs when he was younger. 
And I was listening to this guy and I was really just intrigued at the things that he was saying. It was just, I've never felt like phoning up LBC 97.3. And I didn't get to, but I did text them in support of the things that he was saying. Because then he said all of this really good stuff with regard to kind of really making a difference. And then he said, he concluded it by saying, the church in this country has a lot to contribute to making a difference. And I said, amen. And then I kind of walked around thinking, yeah, but, but what exactly is it that we need to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nah, I'm sure there's a long list of stuff. That's why we've been saying, especially with regard to Urban Mission, the outreach arm of South London, is we want to get together with people who have a desire to see something happen there. Just come together and pray and say, Lord, how can you use us as a church to influence our community with regard to being salt and preserve, you know what I'm saying, and staunch just the, the rapid decline because that's part of our job, you know what I'm saying, being salt and light. And, um, and I thought about this with regard to, you know what I'm saying, just this verse. God commanding all men everywhere. And that's a part of the message that a lot of these, not only young guys, but young girls as well need to hear, right? I mean, what can I say? The scripture says it's for everybody. So then this surely must be a message for them. You man, you, you lot need to change the way you think. And not just because we don't want to see no more gun and knife crime. We don't. But not just because of that reason, but particularly because you are going to have to stand before God and give an account on that day for your actions. As he says, because God has a point in the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. By the man whom he has ordained, who's that? Jesus. And he has given us assurance of this <laughs> to all by raising him from the dead. That means there's no argument. You know I mean, God raised him from the dead, signifying that there's something special about this individual called Jesus. And it's him, man, a man is going to have to stand before. So. The book of Acts is particularly about this message, encouraging individuals to turn to God. In Luke's first volume, we see the establishing of salvation. In Acts, his second volume, we see the proclamation of salvation. Established in the Gospels and then proclaimed by those who, are actually, who actually enjoy, enjoy salvation. Proclaimed by these same individuals. See, what Acts does is show how the salvation which was manifested by Jesus during his earthly life in a limited area of country and for a brief period, how it became a reality for increasing numbers of people over a wide geographical area during an extended period of time. See, Acts has a message and it proclaims salvation to its readers, to its hearers, which relates directly to the second issue, which is the mission. Message and mission. The main storyline in Acts is concerned with the spread of this very message. It begins with a small group of seemingly insignificant followers of Jesus, right? 
in Jerusalem who, under the impact of the Spirit, because we know it weren't because of their greatness, they was in the upper room with the doors locked, terrified that what had happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. I mean, they'd already run off and left him, right, in the lurch. Like, he's our best friend. <laughs> and now they're, they're trying to protect their own neck. But something happens, as we're going to look at in a minute, that impacts them. And sometimes, you know, we can, we can, be, we can be very disgusted even with ourselves, right? Because we feel like, I'm so shabby. My life is such a joke. What kind of witness am I? Am I even a Christian? And we, and we can beat upon ourselves, right? You know what I'm saying? And you know what? To some degree, we're, 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 we're absolutely right. And if we're dependent on our own strength, our own, in, own, own ability, our own cleverness, our own wisdom, our own ability to, to convince others, if we're depending on that, then we probably might go for six months if we're over-talented. And for those of us that are under-talented, we might make it through the week. You know what I'm saying? But you see the difference, and it's beautiful, because we see how the Lord goes on to use the apostles, but they were just like us. They were men of like passion. But what happened was the, the Lord by his spirit impacted them with something that enabled them to go on to do and to be all that God had called them to be. What am I saying? I'm trying to emphasize the fact that we can't do this in our own strength. It ain't by might. It's not by power. But it's going to be by his spirit. And so, you know what I'm saying? Can I encourage you as I encourage myself as we get on our knees on a daily basis and say, Lord, do I have a clue as to what I'm going to be confronted with today? No, I don't. But you do. Lord, I beg you, I plead with you to fill me with your spirit. To enable me, Lord. And, and that's just not to sin. You know what I'm saying? And then to go on to then say, okay, now Lord, use me. We need the power of God's spirit. So they were impacted by the spirit. And they became witnesses to Jesus. And they gather an increasing number of converts. I can just see, I can just see Peter and John and the rest of them just kind of looking and seeing all these people like what should we do it's like repent you know what i'm saying and believe in the gospel and you will be, you'll receive the holy spirit and and then all three thousand people respond i think i heard one of the guys of a big mega church saying and i said encourage me saying that he was sitting in a board meeting with the rest of his elders thinking like <laughs> what is going on here we got like fifty thousand members in our church and the church has become that in 11 years. And they sit down, they said they got, they've got a budget of $10 million. And they're like, <laughs> looking around the table, one guy's an ex-drug dealer, looking across the table, one, another guy you know, come from a fatherless home, no, no example in the home. All of them completely dysfunctional. <laughs> and yet they say, can you believe, look at what the Lord has done. Because that's exactly what it is. It's what the Lord has done. And we have to be careful that when he does them great things, we don't start walking around. People like interview you and want to know, how, how did you manage this? And you say, well, let's take a seat. <laughs> They're like, how long you got? Before you get into this big old 
how great you are, right? How great we are, how great I am. No, we're not great. That's how a lot of the kings in the Old Testament got into problems. Because the prophet will come and say, when you were small in your own eyes, that's when you were actually great. But now you're elevated in your own opinion. Here come the Amorites. Here come the Jebusites. Here comes Babylon to take you into captivity. So, let's just continue to like John. Lord, my desire is that you would increase and that I would decrease. Amen. Now, almost all commentators agree that if there were one verse out of all 28 chapters in the book of Acts, there's one verse that sums up the whole book. Anybody know what that is? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Thank you, Mr. Carnegie. Acts 1, verse 8. The Lord Jesus, check it, has been crucified. He's been buried. Now, don't get nervous. I know we said we're going to do 12 chapters. Um, you'll be like, we're even start- just about starting the first one. No, it's all right. We're going to go through this quite quickly. The Lord Jesus has just been crucified. He's been buried and miraculously risen from the dead. And he's about to ascend now back into heaven from where he had originally come. He has completed the most important mission in history. And as a parting shot now, as he gets ready to leave, he says to his disciples, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. King James says to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's how I remember it. That's how I memorized it. The Lord Jesus says, I've completed my mission. Now, here is the brief for yours. The gift that I promised in John 14 will come from the Father. That is the spirit of truth. He will teach you all things and bring all that I have said to your remembrance. He will now be with you. I'm leaving, if you like, says Jesus. But he is going to be with you and he shall be in you. He shall abide with you forever. I think we sang that this morning. I will not leave you as orphans, says Jesus. Furthermore, he, that is the spirit, will empower you. And that for the mission. Which will result in you being my witnesses, beginning right here in Jerusalem. And then spreading. Spreading to the rest of Judea, which is the surrounding area. Then to Samaria, which is another complete another county if you like and ultimate and ultimately to the rest of the world which is exactly check it what we have been enjoying in 2010 as we sit here in this very room the words of Jesus as they continue to be fulfilled even 2000 years later see Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is an outlandish prediction. Yet true nonetheless. 
highlighting and emphasizing the fact that Jesus is who the scriptures declare him to be. He's the son of God with power. Like he said in John 8, I am. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which also provides the outline of the whole book of Acts. First of all, the theme of the book is the spread of the gospel from Jerusalem to Rome. In chapter 1, verse 6, from chapter chapter 1 through to chapter 6, we see the birth of the church in Jerusalem. And then in chapter 7 through chapter 9, we see the expansion of the church, just like he said, into Samaria and beyond. And then in chapter 10 through to chapter 12, we see the opening of the gospel now to the Gentiles. The structure of the book of Acts is organized around Jesus' commission and missionary strategy. Can you, see, can you see everything in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 right there? Now, let's have a look at section 1, the birth of the church of Jerusalem. We're going to see Jesus' witnesses spreading his gospel in Jerusalem, which is the capital of the Jews, right? Now, this section, Acts chapter 1 verse 1 through to chapter 6 verse 7. If you just quickly just have a look um, at these particular chapters and just glance at them as I read as I read over them. Acts chapter 1 verse 1 to 11. Now we're going to come to that. Acts chapter 1 verse 1 to 11. We see Jesus commissioning his apostles to be his witnesses. We just said that. He conveys to them his mission strategy in verse 8. Then he ascends into heaven. In Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through to 26, after Jesus' ascension, the disciples gather in Jerusalem, at which time Peter, as the leading spokesman, urges them to elect an apostle to succeed Judas. Remember that? Remember that? The number of them is about 120 disciples. Then in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 42, on Pentecost, in fulfillment of Jesus' promise that his disciples would receive the power of the Holy Spirit, The Holy Spirit is miraculously poured out on them. Then they speak of the wonderful works of God in the foreign languages of the multitudes of Jews who have congregated. Peter preaches a powerful sermon to the multitude of the Jews, which concludes by urging them to repent and be baptized. What the Spirit did on Pentecost is the opposite to what the Lord did where? Genesis chapter 11 at Babel, right at the beginning. At Babel, the Lord confused the language of the people who were set on glorifying not him, but themselves. So he confused their language. They had one common language at that point. The Lord confused it. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit enables the disciples to speak in many different languages, many foreign languages, to proclaim the glory of God. As a result, the church grows and 3,000 are added. Pentecost marks, as you can see, point one, the birth of the New Testament church. 
Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine of fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers, right? In Acts chapter 2, verse 43 to Acts chapter 4, verse 4, Peter with John preached the word in Jerusalem and are opposed by the ruling council of the Jews. Things are beautiful at the beginning, but it's not long after that that trouble begins to hit. Now, even though that happens, many more Jews who hear Peter's preaching are added to the church, and the church then grows to 5,000. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. Now, as they spoke to the people, sorry, give a chance to click over there. Get a drink in the meantime. Acts chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. Now, as they spoke to the people, that's the apostles, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Verse 4. However, even though they're being incarcerated, however, Even though you might be going through a difficult time, however, and there are, I think there are two, if not three people here that I know personally are going through very difficult times that maybe everyone else ain't aware of. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Can you see that what we see? is that in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of frustrating periods in the lives of the apostles, the lives of disciples, then, since then, and now, and tomorrow, things are never really going to change. Remember, we live in a fallen world. Remember, the Bible refers to the devil as being the prince of the power of the air. Jesus made reference to him when he said the evil one is coming in John 14 when he was talking to his disciples. And, and, and evidently we see Jesus go for a difficult time. We see his disciples go for a difficult time. We must appreciate that we also will go for a difficult time. And you know that's an encouragement for us rather than pretend that we're overcomers in the sense that we're never ever going to get touched with difficulty. Like we're overcomers and you're never supposed to be sick. Like we're overcomers and you're never ever supposed to be without. That's not true. It's not true. Now, you may be healthy. You may be wealthy. But because you're not doesn't mean, it doesn't make you any less of a king's kid. People will be like, well, I'm a king's kid. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. You know what I'm saying? Meaning I'm supposed to have the nicest car, the nicest house, nicest wife, nicest job. Hey, but that's not reality. We don't see that in the Bible. Well, you see it sometimes. You may have rich individuals, but it doesn't mean that all of us are going to be rich. Now, I don't, have to, I don't have to beat that drum too long, right? You know what I'm saying? My encouragement to you is, even though you go through difficult times, 
the issue isn't so much us. Remember, we're set. We're safe. I mentioned it the last time I spoke. The natural man without God, his worldview is birth to death. And as far as that's concerned, I need to enjoy all of it, completely maximize it, even if that means me being unfaithful and unethical. Even if it means me telling a lie about my expenses and also holding back the fact that I'm gay. Although I'm the treasurer. Check it. I'm the treasurer and I'm taking care of your money, but I'm not really kind of taking care of mine. Now, I'm not hating on the brother. He stepped down, right? If you've listened to the news since yesterday, he stepped down. But I'm just saying, it, I mean, he knew that before he took the job. A lie? I'm saying, nah, he's not saved. So I'm not going to put on him the expectations that I would of a Christian. Because he's a sinner, evidently. But, but what am I saying? I'm saying for us as believers, you see, his time frame is birth and death. So, boy, you know what? Man's just got to do what man's got to do. You get me? And it's like, boy, if I've got to tell a couple little white lies and whatnot just to get by and get through, well, it's nothing. And in 2 2, you hear everybody praising him, <laughs> applauding him. I was shocked. <laughs> you don't expect them to say, you know, oh, this is absolute disgrace. Man, completely bring disgrace upon the on the coalition. No, this man, he's, he's been a friend for so many years and he's a man of integrity. And I'm like, it's politics anyway. What can you say? Now, what was my point? Hard times. I'm saying we're all going to go through difficult times and, and by the grace of God, you know what I'm saying? We, we need to keep our integrity. You know what I mean? So, I don't know how that relates to you. You might be getting ready to take a job and you know that things ain't right. You know what? Just communicate that before you take the job, yeah? And just say, you know, by the way, I need to tell you something. You know, I heard a horrendous story this week. Oh my gosh. <sighs> And I'm going to share it in a sense. Absolutely horrendous. About a young lady, 16. Never, not flighty. Not streggy. You know what I mean? She's not a floozy. Right? She's not a hoe. And this young lady got speech by some brother who got her into bed. Not only did he get her pregnant, he gave her herpes. And I thought to myself, I said, I'm so angry. I mean, I don't even know the brother, and it's a good thing I don't know him. Because I'd probably sin. You know what I mean? But I was like, and forgive me, if I'm being over graphic, forgive me, but you know what? It's the time that we're living in. I think we just need to be straight and honest. You know what I mean? We can beat around the bush, and in if, if you're like in church, we're in church. If anything, you know, this is where we should be talking about these issues on a level. And it's so hurt, it's so burn me. Because it's one of them sexually transmitted infections you can't get rid of. You can only cause it not to be dominant. 
but it will raise its ugly head every now and again. And I thought, that brother should have been honest with that young lady. But he, but he wouldn't, would he? Because, he? because he wasn't, he didn't care about her. He only cared about himself. You've heard it said, right? Love is, is the desire to give at the expense of self in order to benefit others. That's love. Lust, on the other hand, is where I desire to get at the expense of others in order to benefit self. See, he never had the integrity to say, you know what, I can't even do this. Because if I do this, I'm going to harm you. And now the brother don't, not only does he not care that he's giving her an STI, he don't care that she's having a baby telling her, you better get rid of that. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I remember what I'm saying now. We have to be honest. You know what I'm saying? I just, just say, you know what? I've I got something I need to tell you. I have to be completely honest. I've kept this in the dark. And I said that to say, you know, if you're a young man and you want to get involved in a relationship with a young lady, you be honest. Don't wait until a year down the road for her to find out what? You knew this and that shows how much you love and care for me. I'm saying. And as we say around here anyway, it's not like you're going to be having them kind of relationships with anyone other than your wife. And in marriage counseling, just for the record, uh, uh, you know, that's when myself, Pastor Ephraim, Pastor Patrick, when we do it, we sit down and we say, right, now we're going to talk about the stuff that you may not have talked about yet. Is there anything that this young, young lady needs to know about? If you say you're going to be in this church, then that means that marriage counseling ain't just for now. Oh, you're getting married. Wonderful. Let's sort out the, the car and, the, and, uh, and book the, the, the video man and the cameras and the food. No, there's more than that. Because we know, we can tell you. Why? Because we've been there. When you get married, you're going to have drama. You know what I mean? And we're going to share this stuff with you so you can build a rock-solid foundation. So when, check it, not if. When, when the, all right, when the storms start blow, you know what I mean? So we're like, hey, is, is there anything you need to tell this young lady? Tell her now, before you put the ring on her finger, before you bind her to yourself, talking about the two becoming one, you better tell her everything. And it's not just the man them who are off key. Oh, hey, all right then. Okay, right then. See, see, this is what we have to deal with in the 21st century, right? So. <clears throat> right. See, Acts 4, verse 4. See, no matter what you're going through as a difficult time. See, that's how I started. Highlighting maybe over-highlighting the difficult times. You know what I'm saying? But let's not feel like, well, that's not supposed to happen to me. This is a reality and a part of the... God. It says in Acts that it's through many tribulations 
we enter into the kingdom of God. Can I get a witness? And I'm saying that brace yourself. That is our testimony. Many, however, of those who heard the word believed, and a number of men came to about 5,000. And we're going to see this consistently through the book of Acts, that regardless of individuals being harmed or wounded or persecuted or murdered even, that the gospel continues to be effective. And that is the point. Like, you're going to feel like John the Baptist. You'll be like, oh, I'm in prison. <laughs> My ministry was so heavy. But now I'm in Man's is in prison, you know. Come here, yeah, you lot, my disciples. Just go and double check with Jesus, yeah, that he's the one and that we shouldn't look for another. Because this don't really look right. But listen, and they double check. And boy, you know what, John? The eyes, the blind eyes are being opened. The deaf ears are being unstopped. The gospel, check it. The gospel is being preached. And John's like, amen. Just needed to check. It's all good. As they come and drag him out and chop his head off. I don't think that one needs laboring anymore. Acts chapter 4, verse 5 to Acts chapter 5, verse 16. Peter and John are tried by the ruling council of the Jews. And afterwards, the apostles pray for power. Check it. They're not like, oh Lord, can't believe what's going on, you know. Can't believe, Lord, that... You know what I'm saying? We're just getting hit from every angle. It's like, they just drug us into prison. We came out and they dragged us back into prison. They're not there complaining. What do they do? They begin to pray that God would give them power to what? To preach the world with a word, with boldness. That's because they understand the agenda. See, that's because their worldview ain't birth to death. Their worldview is birth through new birth into eternal life. It's like we'll be, we'll be, there'll be a time where we can all just sit down and everything will be all right. I mean, we won't be worried about no one breaking, kicking down the door and coming in with automatic weapons. There's going to be a time when everything is going to be all right. But until that time, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we are men on a mission. In answer to their prayer, the Holy Spirit fills them. And they speak the word boldly. After the incident involving Ananias and Sapphira, remember that? The apostles perform miracles and... I never even stopped on that one, right? Because we ain't got time. And teach in the temple. Multitudes of men and women are added to the church. Acts chapter 5, verse 17 to Acts chapter 6, verse 7, as we're scanning, the apostles are arrested by the ruling council of the Jews, but are released by an angel to speak in the temple. They are again taken into custody for trial and are released after being flogged. Probably 39 lashes. Each day afterwards, they continue teaching in the temple from house to house. And then to assist the apostles in their ministry, the church elects its first deacons or church leaders to oversee the distribution of the food. Acts chapter 6, look at verse 7. This is going to end part one by stating, and the word, check it, and the word, Acts chapter 6, verse 7, and the word of God kept growing. And the number of the disciples in Jerusalem continued to multiply very much. 
And a large number of the priests began to obey the faith. The priests, these are the ones that stood up and said, when Pilate said, what do you want me to do with this innocent man? Crucify. Didn't you hear what we said? Crucify him. This is them same ones now getting saved. This section notes the preaching and the growth of the church in Jerusalem. Section two, as you can see behind me. Jesus is, and we're going to move a bit faster. Jesus' witnesses, I hope. Jesus' witnesses spread his gospel throughout Judea and now Samaria. Acts chapter seven through nine. In Acts chapter six, um, if you just back up just before the beginning of chapter seven, through to chapter seven, verse 60, the persecution, trial, and murder of who? Stephen. This set the stage. I've only got 10 minutes. You're kidding me. <laughs> We've been here for 50 minutes. Stephen. This set the stage. This set the stage for an all-out persecution of the church in Jerusalem by the ruling council of the Jews. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 4, the persecution scatters the, the, the disciples and spreads the church into Judea. God allows something tragic to happen in order that the gospel will be spread. Because two Jews, they'll be like, this is wonderful. Hey, like Peter, let's just make three, ten, three, three moves and just jam. Well, what about the rest of the people down the mountain, Peter? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the Lord allows persecution to come to... to and they got to run because their fear factor has to exceed, you know what I'm saying, their desire to preach the gospel. And now that's what moves them. Not because they want to preach it, because, but because there's fire under their tail. And they go out and the gospel continues to be preached. See, difficulty, stress, and pain. And really, this is the message today, I suspect. Difficulty, stress, and pain, even loss of life, ought not to discourage us. It may sadden us, but it ought not to paralyze us because we recognize that there is a much bigger purpose, a much bigger picture, if you remember, about 15 weeks ago. Imagine the stoning of Stephen, the persecution and the imprisonment, yet... The church kept marching on. See that in Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. Saul is causing havoc. And I can't read it all. Just jump to verse 4, Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore, check it. After putting people in prison and horrendously treating them, verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And you see this emphasized consistently through the, the book of Acts. Now. The fact that the Jewish disciples go into Samaria and preach the word to the Samaritans is a significant act. It shows the Jewish disciples have overcome their hatred of the Samaritans. They hated the Samaritans. And that the word would not be bound by such hatred and prejudices. We would hope to see the same today. In Acts chapter 8 verse 5. Through to 40, we see the ministry of Philip in Samaria. Philip takes the gospel as far as Caesarea in northern Samaria. 
In Acts chapter 9, verse 1 to 31, we see the classic conversion of the man called Saul, who is going to become Paul. And he begins to preach as soon as he gets saved. But then, you know, he's got to run for his life. And, he's, and he jams in Damascus where he kind of lies low for a number of years, even going to Arabia, it says in Galatians, for 14 years. This is before he, he became the great apostle Paul that we know. There's always that time of hibernation. There's always that time of preparation. Amen. And then he goes on to, to Jerusalem where he meets the apostles. Acts chapter 9 verse 31 ends section 2 by stating, Therefore the church throughout Judea, See, now this is chapter 9. This is a whole heap of ground covered. Chapter 9, look. Therefore the church throughout Judea and Galilee and now Samaria has, was having peace, was being built up and, 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 proceeding, and, and proceeding in the fear of the law and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit was being multiplied in numbers. Can you see the progression? This section notes... The preaching and the expansion of the church throughout Judea and Samaria. Section 3, Jesus' witnesses, that's Peter, particularly, spreads his gospel in Judea and Samaria. And we see that through Acts chapter 9, where his ministry goes to Lydda and Sharon and to Joppa. And in Acts chapter 10, is groundbreaking because Peter goes to Cornelius, doesn't he? And now we see the door opened to the Gentiles. Who come into the church. You can read Acts chapter 11 verse 16 to 18. Which goes on to again. Communicate the same. The same thrust. When you get to Acts chapter 11 verse 20 through to 30. We see another groundbreaker. Some of the disciples from Cyprus and Cyrene. Preached the gospel. To Gentiles in Antioch. Which is even further north now. And a large number there believe. And the church at Antioch is established of both Jews and Gentiles. It's just groundbreaking. And even, we even saw, if you remember, a couple of black Africans join the leadership, join the Jewish leadership team. That is unprecedented. Then in response if you like, to the work of the Holy Spirit, we see the work of the unholy spirit in Acts chapter 12, where Herod kills John's brother, James, by the sword. Acts chapter 12, verse 24, ends part three. You notice how quickly I've done that one? Ends part three by stating, check it. Now this is chapter 12, verse 24, but the, in spite of James being killed, and the Bible doesn't even make a big deal. I think it gets one verse. But it goes on to say, but, however, the word of God kept growing and was multiplied. Oh, I should have been adding these. Sorry, forgive me. That was chapter 6, verse 7, chapter 9. And this is the one I just read. In the face of all of those difficulties. And this concludes our review. Bringing us bang up to date which is now section 4, chapter 13 through to chapter 28, which is where we're headed. See, the gospel will go on to spread through Asia Minor, which is where? It's modern-day Turkey. 
that's going to spread through Turkey all the way across now to Europe as propagated by Paul and his companions on three separate missionary journeys. And in the process, the fulfillment of what Jesus said. See, in chapter 16, verse 5, it says, the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. It just keeps on moving. We will eventually see Jesus' witnesses carry his gospel to the ends of the earth, eventually to Rome which is the capital of the Gentiles, just like Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We've covered this. We're about to cover that next one from next week when we will see Jesus' witnesses that is Paul, particularly, make his first missionary journey to Cyprus when he and Barnabas are commissioned by the Spirit to be missionaries to the Gentiles. And I thought I'd just throw this one in for good measure just to show you that it's consistent right through the whole book. Acts chapter 19, verse 20, it says, In this manner, James is dead. Stephen's dead. Peter, you don't even really hear Peter's name getting called too tough now. It's all about Paul the Apostle. And look, chapter 19, in this manner, the word of the Lord kept growing mightily. Even though his people were perishing, his word continued mightily and was wielding power. Let us pray that the same thing would continue to happen. Amen. And we have a solid promise that it will because Jesus says in, Acts, in Matthew chapter 6, I've got Acts in my mind, Matthew chapter 16, verse 8, in the Lord Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he's still doing it, still building his church. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we would hope that you would help us to just refocus this morning as your people. Thank you that you saved us. Thank you that all of us like sheep had gone astray and we had all turned to our own way. But you, the good shepherd, the shepherd and the bishop of our souls, you came and you looked for us. Lord, we weren't there looking for you. We were lost and we were so lost we didn't even know that we were lost. But you came and you found us and you saved us and you rescued us. And for that we are so grateful. And knowing that we're saved, knowing that we're yours, knowing that we belong to you, that you are our God and we are your people, knowing that we're safe for eternity. Father, like Jesus said, not a hair on our head will perish. Ultimately, it may do down here, but Father, Jesus said we mustn't worry about those that hurt the body. We must worry about you who can throw body and soul in hell. Father, I pray that you help us to get the big picture. Help us, Lord, because that enables us to go through difficult times and not shake our fist at you. We may say, Lord, this is, Lord, my life is nuts at the moment, but hallelujah, I praise you because I know ultimately there's going to be an end to this. 
I know that weeping may endure for a night, but I know that joy is going to come in the morning. So I can praise you and be like Job, Father, and say, even though you slay me, yet will I praise you. So help us and encourage our hearts today, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to see that regardless, your word is going to continue and you are going to fulfill the purpose that you set out to fulfill. I pray today that your word would go forth with power. I thank you. I can trust that it won't return to you void. We commit ourselves to you, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus.